The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Everywhere I look, you're not where I need you to be. It's not my imagination. Now, where the hell do you go every day? To the bathroom, sir. The bathroom. Colonel Glenn launches in a few weeks. We don't have the math figured out yet. No protocol for women attending. There's no protocol for a man circling the earth either, sir. Okay, so that puts your landing zone at 5.0667 degrees north, 77.3333 degrees west. Welcome to The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I'm Tobin Addington. And I'm Isla Addington. And today we have a very special guest. Maybe our most special guest. Most, I was going to say, arguably my favorite. <laughs> um, your father and mine, Mr. Jeff Addington. Good evening. Hi, Pa. Morning. How are you? Uh, or good day, wherever you are. I'm well, thank you very much. We are really excited to have you on on this show. Dad was a great fit for this episode for multiple reasons. I would say maybe number one, I, I think of him as my science expert, mm-hmm. yep. uh, if ever I need one, um, for both casual questions or school projects or et cetera. Um, the reason number two is that he is the first guest that we've had who was around at the time that the events of this movie took place. Contemporary. Right. Yeah. So he has history yeah. of it. And then three, to put it all, just I don't know, I would like to say to put a little button on it. Pa, Dad, Jeff Addington is the most, I would say, significant reason that I became a Dr. Addington. Oh, oh. well, wonderful. How, how so? Do you want to say more about that? Um, sure. Uh, that was my... Uh, admittance essay to graduate school uh, further explained um, when I was a very small child and was talking about something I wanted to do when I grew up. I don't remember exactly what I said, but something I had seen, um, perhaps I had seen a lady do somewhere and dad said, no, you're going to be a doctor. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to mom and I said, well, why, why did dad say I have to be a doctor? Because he, he knew I wasn't going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, well, it's not that you have to. It's just that he wants you to understand that you could be any role, you know, in any. And I, I think uh, maybe it seemed as if I was limiting myself to something. I, I don't remember the scenario, but I remember. Well, dad says I can be a doctor. Oh, and as it approached, I was like, wait a second. I could be Dr. Addington. So <laughs> that is why I um, pursued that and, and, and a great part of my persistence in that pursuit. So thank you. Oh, that warms my heart. Thank you. Well, and persistence is such a great segue here because this is a movie about, well, actually, you know, so many of the movies that we have done for this podcast have 
been about women who have been persistent. Persistence has been sort of a, a theme, I think, for a lot of the, uh, the characters and for reasons that we can get into, but it certainly is true in this movie. Today, we're going to talk about hidden figures from, from 2016. Aislinn, I'm curious, when's the first time that you saw this? Did you see this like in the run-up to the Oscars? Yes. So I saw it in theaters in early 2017, and I, I moved last year in, in the end of 2016. And so it was the first movie I went to in the in the movie theater of the new town I lived in. Oh. So it will be significant for me in in that way. But I I'm not great at going to movies alone. I've gotten better, but I just, I wanted to see it so much that I was like, yep, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check this out. And so I did. And I was so glad. And then I listened to the soundtrack um for the oh. next month couple of months. I loved it. Cool. Dad, what about you? When is the first time you saw this movie? I saw it uh, in theater, uh, and I think I saw it with uh, with your mother um, mm-hmm. in a local theater uh, here, and uh, and loved it uh, at the time. I I was um, uh, very impressed with it. Yep. I think I I would have seen it at about the same time. I know I went to the theater. This was the last of the Oscar nominees for Best Picture that I needed to see that year. And I, I wasn't putting it off for any particular reason. It's just uh, it, it sort of it ended up being the, the last one I needed. And so I saw it probably a week within a week of the Oscars before the Oscars that year and just was I was just delighted by it I, I, in, in all, all kinds of ways. And I, I think it's kind of manipulative in some of the best ways. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and so, I, and so I, I really enjoyed the experience of watching it more than I, I guess, because I thought it had maybe looked a little cheesy from the ads. Um, and I, but that wasn't really my experience, or not in a bad way. That wasn't my experience of watching the movie. So I agree from the commercials. It has, it has that Disney film of cheese on yeah. it. A yeah, they lean bit. into that a little bit. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which can be great, right? Like yeah, one of my yeah. favorites that's like that that I also saw with dad was is the rookie with Dennis Quaid. Like oh sure, oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Left, right, center, but it works for me. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so Tobin, yes, as the film expert in the room, would you please give us two bits of film history for this one? I would love to. So the first draft of the script was written by a woman named Alison Schroeder. It's based on a on a book, on a nonfiction book. And Alison Schroeder wrote the wrote the the script. Uh, she, it was an interesting choice. She had done some film and as well as a TV movie. She wrote the Mean Girls Two is on her resume. She but she grew up near Cape Canaveral. Her grandparents worked at NASA, and so she had sort of a, a feel for the NASA side of the script. And then uh, the director Theodore Melfi came on, and according to every Thing that I read then beefed up the sort of personal side that the scenes that weren't didn't take place at NASA. Uh, and so it sounds like it was sort of the the combination, the, the ultimate movie is a, a combination of those two points of view. That's interesting because there are elements off campus, if you will, mm-hmm. that are a couple of my favorites. And then there are elements off campus that I are easily bathroom breaks for me. So I wonder <laughs> if they're both uh, Teddy's fault. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, highs and lows in, in some mm-hmm. way. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it. The other bit is that – so this movie is made on a for, for a $25 million budget, which is a small budget for That's a studio amazing. movie. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gorgeous not, for $25 million. Really, it looks really nice. It looks really nice. And uh, But but it's not a – yeah, so it's, it's a it's a small budgeted movie, if you can believe it or not. $25 million is a very, a very small budget. You know, it's, it's a tenth of like a Marvel movie budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and it grossed over $200 
$130 million worldwide. That's nice. before DVD, before streaming. Like it's a huge hit uh, to, to make back 10 times its budget is really impressive. So, uh, and I remember at the time there was some surprise that this movie had done so well, which is, I think, also going to be a common theme on this show when, you know, especially movies about women, particularly in this case, I guess, women movies about women who are into math and who are women of color. Like, I guess there's, there's, I think there's just a sort of uh, industry expectation that that's is quote unquote niche. And then it turns out that actually that has a, a really broad appeal. Can I tell you about some of the ladies involved in this movie? Isla, would you please tell us about some of the <laughs> ladies in, involved in this movie? Excellent. And then I want to circle back to the budget after I say some of these names. So okay. in major acting roles, we have Taraji P. Henson, Academy Award winner Octavia Spencer, Janelle Monet, Kirsten Dunst. Producing, we have Donna Gigliotti. Very good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> who also produced Silver Linings Playbook. And it, uh, I'm reading here is the main producing force behind this film. She had optioned the book and sort of was the, the force behind it, all the pe- sort of getting all the pieces together for the movie. Got you. And speaking of the book, uh, the author of the nonfiction book is Margot Lee Shetterly, who has a producing credit. Next, we've got, um, again, in the category of producing, Ivana Lombardi. Kimberly Quinn, Jeno Topping, Mimi Valdez, Renee Witt, uh, as mentioned previously, writer Allison Schroeder, and director of photography Mandy Walker. That's a special one. There are very few female directors of photography, as was highlighted this last year at the Oscars, where the first woman DP ever nominated for Best Cinematography was nominated for, for Mudbound. So it's an unusual just to begin with that they have uh, that, that, that there would be a woman DP on a major studio movie. She's uh, Australian and lensed one of my favorite movies, a movie called Shattered Glass from 2003, uh, about the Stephen Glass uh, scandal yes. at the New Republic. Uh, a fantastic movie. And she's also, right now, she's shooting, or they, I guess, yeah, they're about to shoot Mulan, the live-action Mulan. Yes. You know so, how I love a DP and a Mulan. I do. So I, I knew we, we'll be talking about her again in the future. And I think, she, she, I think looking at her credits, she does gorgeous, gorgeous work. Aislinn, you wanted to say something else about the budget, I I do. I just, I mean, I think it speaks, I don't know, a little bit to, um, you know, tomorrow, as we're recording this, it's it's early April. Tomorrow is um, Equal Pay Day, um, which is a year that, or a year, a day that occurs each year um, into a new, so into, into 2018, tomorrow is the day that the average woman, the white woman, um, it took her that long to make what the average white man made in 2017. Not the average, but you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, so I've got wage gap in my mind and um, I know that it's a, it's a deal. So I'm looking at uh, Academy Award winner Octavia Spencer mm-hmm. as well as Taraji P. Hansen, who is a known force um, yeah. in the world. Janelle Monet, um, trained in acting, but has done more recording than acting. Kirsten Dunst, who's been around for so long. Then you add to that, of course, Dances with Wolves himself, Kevin Costner. Indeed. And Jim Parsons. And this movie still was only $25 million. Right, right. So right. I look at all those you know, amazing women, particularly women of color, and think they must not have gotten paid. 
even not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. So that that was what just I wanted to circle back to that. Yeah, this is one this this movie was made for one Will Smith's uh, salary from right. like 5 years ago. And so. while he might have been a great addition, <laughs> um, let's let's pay some of these folks more. Um I've now that we're really getting into it. Tobin, would you just real quick give us a yep. summary for anyone who hasn't seen it? Although I recommend everyone see it. And I have not said that the last couple of times we've recorded. So. <laughs> no, you, know, you haven't. You have not indeed. <laughs> Based on the best-selling nonfiction book of the same title, Hidden Figures tells the remarkable true story of three brilliant African-American women working at NASA in the 1960s. Katherine Johnson, a mathematician, Dorothy Vaughn, a supervisor and who and, and an IBM sort of an early IBM, you know, manager. I don't know what we, what we call her exactly. And Mary Jackson, an engineer. Through tenacity, humor and a stubborn refusal to accept the limitations placed on them by both the institutional and de facto racism of the time. These women prove instrumental to NASA's emerging space program, culminating in the film and the successful launch of astronaut John Glenn into orbit and his return, his safe return to Earth. All right. Pa, I have many historical questions for you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to skip over the opening, though. So I, I guess I'll wait because my first question is about men. But we open with, with the women. Um, how did you all like that opening vignette of, of Katherine Johnson early? As a, as a child in, in, yeah. in the classroom? Oh, yeah. I think I thought it was great. I, it, it was um, it, it only barely plausible uh, to me um, because I wouldn't think that a family could have moved in those years uh, that easily. Now, maybe that's hmm. not maybe that's not true. Uh, but but um, I I suspended my disbelief and, uh, <laughs> and on we went in terms of the young girl's abilities. Uh, that was just just wonderful and and people do have those abilities. <laughs> she was just it was great that she, hers could be developed. Tobin, what about you? Did this set the scene well for you? Yeah, I think you know it also sets the tone of the movie really well. This is a movie that is going to be about triumph, uh, and not and and certainly through adversity. And it's going to be a lot of they're going, to, they're going to face a lot of a lot of adversity. But then ultimately, this is a movie about about sort of overcoming certain kinds of barriers. And I think that uh, the, the that this opening, you know, yeah, you critics argue sometimes it's a little glossy, it's a little you know, but it, that's this is what this movie is going to be, and you'll sort of know that in the first five minutes. Aizam, what, what about you? How'd it work for you? I liked it. You know, like you said, there's a um, a little, what do you call it? Um, snow globe. You know what I mean? Like mm, it's a little, mm. it's sepia toned and it's a little. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I loved what it transitioned into yes. um, with the, the landscape and the color change and then the car on the road. And I, and for me, that's a very, like that color of turquoise or turquoise, mm -hmm. as a friend of mine says. Uh, is just emblematic of, okay, we're early 60s. And I don't know how true it, that was, but that's, you know, what, what I see in media. And then immediately it becomes um, two things. One, the camaraderie of, of those women, which I loved throughout. And then two, an example that comes up several times of authority in these women and or just um, folks of color in that era and and in place. place thank you mm -hmm. and so and that always made me nervous throughout it 
and made me think about what is different and what is not different today. So in my notes, mm-hmm. I have they talk themselves into safety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, their interactions with authority, uh, both when they are in authority and when they are not, when they're they're having to deal with someone else who is an adversarial to them, is is this real interesting throughout and provide a lot of tension in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I agree. Dad, does this opening, the, as Eisen talks about the color and the, does, does this, how, so my impression is that the early 60s of this movie are, are have been Disney-fied a little bit. Like, yes. But, but, but is it like, how, where's that line in this, in this movie? How close is this to, to the way you remember to the way it maybe felt at the time? Oh, I, it, it, it was obviously Hollywood. <laughs> it, 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 it was obviously, obviously a set. You know, uh, uh, the, the 60s uh, were uh, actually the, the air was not quite so good as it is now. And I didn't see any smoke or fog or uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it was it was the idyllic countryside. Uh, but it, to me, it lent to the idea that unconsciously, maybe that one of the premises of the film is that this is go ahead and do this. You can do this. Mm-hmm. This is going to be all right. Oh, interesting. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is this is going to work. I, we don't know how, but this is going to work. Now, speaking of history, Pa, quite <laughs> leading to my question number one. So, shortly after we meet the um, women in STEM, nineteen sixty one on the road, we then are in NASA and we meet both Kevin Costner and Jim Parsons who have both had those haircuts their entire careers and just bop in and out of um, (laughs) parts that they work for. But here's my question, particularly on Jim Parsons, but on all of them as they're walking down the hall and I'm looking at their costuming, they have the longest flies I have ever seen on their pants. <laughs> like absurdly, I just and I don't know if it's because pants went higher. I just need you to help me with this. Have you noticed a decline in zipper length in your lifetime? Yes, absolutely, <laughs> Ab- absolutely. I knew now, it. They're, you know, sometimes they're, they're, they're you might say they're painfully shorter. Um, <laughs> they're, they're just it, 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 that, that's it's. I don't know if it's a fashion trend or or what it might be, but yes, uh, uh, certainly uh, the clothing was cut uh, differently. The stereotype of the pocket protector and the yeah, yeah. slide rule and the little skinny tie, NASA, yeah. mm-hmm. NASA, yeah. um, uh, the the IBM people uh, in those years all uh, all wore the same color, dark blue suits, and the same tie. Uh, and and so did the so did the engineers so did the NASA people they were they were grown up now and and uh, you know <laughs> in, in the in the big leagues so they all wore that wore ties but they were the size of a, a pencil thin <laughs> yeah. uh, yes yes the flies were um, were certainly longer and the trousers were certainly narrower mm-hmm. I appreciate that and then my mm-hmm. second historical question leads us back into the plot a little bit this was the first and maybe only time that I had heard um, computer referring to a human. Right, right. And I wonder Uh, if that's that was familiar language to you or and if you remembered sort of the transition from it being talking about a person's skill set then into a um, machine. Well, the, the the latter certainly, but but the former, no, I've I'd never heard the term um, of computer applied to a person. And uh I don't know. I would have to look. I don't know whether that would be any any 
were true at all. One of the interesting historical pieces were the machines that were on the desks of mm. the computers, mm -hmm. and those were just those are period correct. Um, I I know this because although we couldn't use the computers when I was first in college, we could use those old accounting uh, machines, and they were uh, very good to add uh, uh, huge columns of figures, and you I think you could divide with them. Oh wow! Um, you, you couldn't do square roots or, or some of the other simple calculator functions, but those great huge adding machines were as advanced as adding machines got. And they, they had several models up in there that I recognized. It took me a while to get used to them calling them computers, and I think they were clearly aware of that. I think the filmmakers were. They sort of lean into it in the beginning, and it feels like – or maybe it's maybe just my reaction because I'm – like because it is it felt so new. But I re it really felt kind of – I, I don't know. I felt some affection for the term applying to a person. I maybe as we get closer and closer to, uh, uh, you know, the, what we know of as today computers being closer to people, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that there's something sort of um, maybe a little more sinister about that. But at the time, it, I don't know. It struck me as kind of affectionate in some way. Like yeah, sort of a literal someone who computes as a right. computer. Yes, and I, I don't know whether they were even more subtle than that in their choice of, of the word, um, but there's a transition from what they were into um, what how into they, they were computers who became people where uh, as as, oh, the, as, yeah. as the as the computers uh, became took over their jobs and their functions and so in one way I mean that that jam that metamorphosis uh, yeah was true and typical I think of of the age although not everyone did as well as these folks did uh, but but I I thought of it I I also puzzled over the term and I, I thought um, that there may be something. Uh, they were trying to say something along those lines. Well, it, you know, almost immediately the when we're at NASA with our, our new friends from the turquoise um, car, they all the computers get their assignments. And that's, you know, kind of leads us to um, following Catherine again into her her special assignment. And immediately it starts the, the bathroom thing. Yes, yes. Which again, so that's the second time for me that I was like, oh, wow, we are still talking about bathrooms <laughs> and who gets to use what bathroom. Uh-huh, uh-huh, right. And, you know, as there was a, a meme that went around last year when um, there, you know, when bathrooms, and it still is, but when, when um, bathrooms in, in terms of transgender folks using public restrooms, yes. yeah. uh -huh. the meme on Facebook was it's not about bathrooms like it wasn't about drinking fountains. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And also bathrooms. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We have a problem. <laughs> no. Well, we have many problems, but like this is an ongoing thing for um, in U.S. culture. What I took from the first back and forth to um, that Taraji takes across campus was her running in heels. And I remember very specifically a lot of talk about um, Bryce Dallas Howard running in heels in Jurassic Park. Mm. The one that came out most yep. recently, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But I know no talk of of Taraji, so I wanted to give her, um, you know, my <laughs> my praise her, for that. Give her a ding, huh? Yeah, because I wouldn't be able to do that. Um, it's or, also a call. It's also a callback to "She's the Man," where uh, who is it who who tells the guy uh, oh, women were given high heels on, to keep? No, them. she's on the phone with her mom about heels are just a a, a man made 
you know, yes, yes, to make it harder for women to run away. And right, then right. David Cross says, "Have you That's ever right. tried to run away?" Yeah, <laughs> good pull, Tobin. Hey, thank you, thank you. She's the man. Um, <laughs> yeah, not only would I not be able to run across campus in heels, I would not also not be able to not pee my pants. <laughs> that process. So I would say both props to the characterization and props to the, you know, all the humans who had to find a bathroom because they couldn't use. I'm also the person who goes into whatever bathroom is closest and available. So I don't, yes. I have the privilege of not paying attention to the science. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. I think also we should stop here just for a second and talk about how good Taraji P. Henson is in this movie. It's, it was remarkable to me. So there's one Oscar nomination. Uh, out of this for acting out of mm-hmm. this movie um, uh, for Octavia Spencer. I, it's, it's, and it's, it would be, it's These three women are so talented and they're so good. I, I remember looking, having to look up, was that really the Janelle Monet I know as a musician playing right. that character? And then, and Taraji P. Hansen, I sort of had known, I never watched Empire, so I didn't know her show. I didn't know her TV show. I, I sort of knew her more from uh, sort of pop culture, you know, mm-hmm. like I is an osmosis rather than actually seeing her in a lot of things. And she is so, she knows exactly what this part is and plays it so well. I think. I agree. I, yeah, I think all three of them are great. We get them together again at the end of that first day and, and get to see them, you know, relaxed after their interactions with the various authorities and things. And, and they're all great. I, I said many times and um, throughout watching the movie, I think, Janelle Monet is one of my favorite people to watch and to mm-hmm. look at. I think she's, I mean, gorgeous, but also just very subtle and um, she's fierce and still and then mm-hmm. explodes. And I love it. She does the same thing in Moonlight. She she has mm-hmm. like maybe three scenes in Moonlight and it's the same thing. I saw this movie before I saw Moonlight and uh, to see her again and do a very different kind of character. But I, I don't know. I was uh, I find her remarkably um, uh, her presence is remarkably real. Uh, and I yeah, all three of them are, are mm-hmm. wonderful. But I I think that Taraji, you know, we spend more time with her and we see, you know, she's here. She is. You know, looking at her as an actor, holding her own with Kevin Costner easily, you know, yeah. <laughs> easily. And, you know, seeing again, this is not a subtle movie, I think, because the issues that they're dealing with are not subtle. And I think so I think it's the proper choice for the movie, whether it's her just standing in the room of all the other of all the scientists. And they're all, as dad says, and they're sort of skinny ties and their pocket protectors and their white shirts. And she's in, you know, uh, yes. dresses and, yeah. and it just she stands, she pops on in this in the in sort of every scene that she's in in a way that I think for this movie is really effective. Absolutely. And the just as you said, the something about clothes. I, I, I love the clothes of the women, <laughs> not the giant flies on the men. But um, <laughs> all those, I wanted, I wanted all those dresses and all the, the um, sweater sets. I loved it. I wanted, I want all of it. Also, I'm sure, I don't know, not sanitized, but played up or, you know, everyone was um, tailored to a T mm-hmm. in yeah, a way that they right. wouldn't be in the real world in the way that I'm not in the real world. Right. Um, right, right. Yes. Everything fit very well. Didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I, that's, I mean, that's kind of what I wanted, I guess. And I got it. Speaking of moonlight, don't we have another is Mahershala? Isn't we do. So yes. That was, I guess when you said one Oscar nomination, I was confused because I remember seeing them at the Oscars. Yeah. And, in part because of the overlap with Moonlight and with both Janelle and Marshala in 
in that piece. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that sort of, for me, brings us to church early on in the film. We meet, well, let's stop. We meet um, Mary's husband, Mm -hmm. played by one of my favorite actors, Aldous Hodge. Oh, I didn't know this actor. Oh, I love him. I love him. What's, what what is he from? What do well, you? Well, Tobin. He played um, Voodoo. I forget his last name on Friday Night Lights. Number one. <gasps> oh, you're right. I oh my right. gosh! Um, wow. And then I know him best as a different kind of lovable nerd um, from Leverage. He plays the hacker on Leverage. Oh, you love that show. I love a band of misfits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's great. And so my, I should have said, um, my true introduction was this film was listening to a podcast um, with him as a guest talking about this movie and this role and mm-hmm. also his hobby of watchmaking. Oh, my. Wow. Right. So, um, so he gets it. He's an engineer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we meet him. For me, most importantly, and then we meet the love interest for Catherine, who, uh, you know, I believe questions. Oh, like we let women do that. (laughs) And then she calls him on it pretty (laughs) severely, which I appreciated. Pastor mentioned you're a computer at NASA. (laughs) Pretty heady stuff. Yes, it is. They let women handle that sort of That's not what I mean. What do you mean? I'm just surprised it's something so taxing. Mm-hmm. Mr. Johnson, if I were you, I'd quit talking right now. I mean no disrespect. I will have you know, I was the first Negro female student at West Virginia University Graduate School. On any given day, I analyze the barometer levels for air displacement, friction, and velocity and compute over 10,000 calculations by hand. So yes, they let women do some things at NASA, Mr. Johnson. And it's not because we wear skirts. It's because we wear glasses. And that was a great, I mean, that was a great pull for the trailer, but that was a nice way to end that um, exchange, I thought. It was. I, I um, well, uh, it, it, it was <laughs> the poor guy <laughs> <laughs> having, having lived through the 60s. Anyway. No sympathy <laughs> for you, sir. <laughs> I know. I know. There, there is no, none, uh, no sympathy and, and, and no excuse. But you, you can, <laughs> a, a common theme, of course, through the through the whole the whole movie and the, and the relationships between a person, the, the racial relationships, especially. Mm-hmm. Are the interracial relationships, um, or were a, 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 just an oblivion mm-hmm. on, on, on most of the, the white parts to to what they were doing and saying and how they were uh, how they were treating others? It just it, 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 there's no recognition, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right, that, that there was any other way. Well, this is the way it's all, and then and the dialogue uh, backed it back up. They did it very nicely. That's just the way it's always been, right? Uh, just I can't nothing I can do about it. It's just you know, and that's true of of institutions other than um, racism, if you can call it institution. But I mean, it has to do with with big business in a lot of ways. Is the same. It has to do with mm. power relationships, but at any rate, I thought that that was uh, that was nicely done, and, and as I say, I did have some sympathy for him. It does speak to the invisibility of of privilege when folks just say, "Well, I'm following the rules," or 
this is how it's always been because um, yes. if you don't if you don't bump against it all the time as you know other people do regardless of what you're being marginalized for you can go about your day uninterrupted you don't have to go across campus to use the bathroom or right. are yes. not um, immediately um, in a panic you know, in front of authority or those things, but that the sympathy, it leads me to, to a question. Did you, how do we feel about the Kirsten Dunst character who mm. says those things, Pa, that you just said that I'm just following the rules or I'm, this is how it is. Did you have sympathy for her or was she merely part of the, um, you know, racially unjust institution? I had very little sympathy for her and she, she was of course not, written as a very sympathetic character, nor, <laughs> nor, nor dressed as a very sympathetic character. Uh, 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 black, uh, black dress, um, uh, pearls, uh, and, and a very flat affect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Through most of it. And I don't know, I don't, uh, I don't know the nuances of makeup and, and whatever else, but she played it as a, um, an unsympathetic character. And I, I had very little sympathy for her, but that's observing. And the, I guess self-awareness is <laughs> is maybe one of the themes, uh, uh, mm. some mm. themes here as well, and and uh, how self-aware these ladies were, and and how unaware most of the rest of the cast was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I, I didn't and to answer your question. I did not have much sympathy for her. Uh, she as um, as the others, of course, in the end comes around, but. Uh, quietly so yeah she's an odd choice to be to play this character i think uh, the no, and i don't mean this in a bad way i mean i think she's you know she's eff effective in the role but she's uh both sort of given the kinds of roles that she had largely played before and then it feels like this is an older character i think of her as so young since she's been in so many things since she was in so many things as a teenager and a child starting with interview with a vampire like i have you know young associations for her so to see her as as a character who felt like maybe i don't know there's a, there's an element when she first comes on screen it feels a little bit like dress up to me mm. so i'm like kirsten Dunst, what are you like you're still in high school you can't be playing this kind of part but of course that's not true and, and i think that it, it i think it's smart that they didn't cast you know who could they have cast allison janney someone who is uh you know of a, of a different generation and maybe would have played it a little more um it's interesting to me that, that they play her a little younger and i think that ultimately that works for the movie although it was a little jarring Aizen, what do you think i was just as you recast it i i think like maybe a Catherine hahn but um i thank you so much for saying that she was too young for that part you know she and i have a real history together in that i think we're almost the same age or i just i always look at her because she's been in things for so long so as a you know as a kid when you know, you snuck me into an interview with a vampire. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I've identified with her as like, oh, we are going through life at a similar. Right. And I think I technically I think I'm slightly younger, but I think, of, you know, I think of her as as my age. So that when I saw her in this part, I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> how old am I? <laughs> so thank you. Well, I made some assumptions about about her character and, and uh, this maybe I don't know why a person does that maybe because there, there wasn't enough um exposed about about her but my assumption was that she was a a degree person 
uh, that is with, with a with a, a business or, or mm. accounting degree, whatever mm. you know that that sort. Uh, and she she's blonde and attractive, and follows the rules to a T and plays the game very well. And I think was probably my and uh, my thought was that she was probably promoted on that mm. basis, and, and not that she's done anything terribly wrong. Uh, she's like everyone else. She's uh, f- followed the uh, everything runs downhill. <laughs> and and she just passes on her work to others as as uh, her mm-hmm. uh, 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 people upstream pass to her. So I I didn't find her um, age to be a, a great uh, problem for me. I I would was not surprised to see her sitting at the at the front desk. I so so she being the um, rule follower who was promoted um, to be in charge of I would say the other women based on what they showed us. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were, yeah, absolutely. Um, would then you juxtapose that with Dorothy Vaughn, who they refused to promote while <laughs> maybe following the rules nine to five. Um, she uses ingenuity to figure out how she's going to, um, I think, survive, but then ultimately get that uh, supervisorship that um, that she deserved, and that and and I I love that I love the the um, creativity and um, taking initiative and problem solving, which I think you know, Tobin, you said yes. at the beginning, problem solving is a thing, but um, a theme for us. Mm-hmm. But I, as much as it made me nervous, because again, it was the clash with authority. I loved the library scene with her kids. Yeah, when she was oh, looking yes. for the IBM book, absolutely, and then absolutely. takes it. <laughs> Absolutely, the it. scenes, those, the, the writing for the scenes uh, for with the kids, mm-hmm. uh, uh, both with Catherine and her, mm-hmm. her three girls mm-hmm. as she comes home uh, from uh, what must have been her first day or early days, uh, late and uh, and finds them still up, and also the library and, and bus trip um, after. Uh, those were those were very well, very well written scenes, and and the difference between the two the two women maybe is is a. A bright accountant uh, compared to a bright mechanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, necessity is the, the mother of invention, mm-hmm. and and uh, and the spirit um, uh, enabled her to not to compete, but to persevere, mm-hmm. as you said earlier. Yeah, and to inv- and see see the change coming and reinvent her role, you know, like to find a new, like yes. to make her role, you know? And I think that's, that's yes. something that uh, all three of these women do in, in different ways is sort of make, because there, because there is no path for them to the thing that they want to do. So they have to make their own. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Catherine does it by being just brilliant with math <laughs> and Mary, you know, has to go the legal route. You know, she has to sort of change change the the actual rules on the books to get into class to become the engineer she wants to do and Dorothy is you know d- sort of doing her sort of research and there's an interesting thing at the end of the movie where it talks about how she was considered one of the most brilliant minds at NASA and yes. and uh, you know you can you can see the the what's amazing to me is to watch these women to watch these performances where these women have to hold back so much like the the characters so often have to hold back what they're really thinking what they're really feeling what they could really do like they can't there's a certain they have to kind of pick their moment to show to show what they can do and well, and they're and they're wonderful because the the, the viewer uh, uh, is, is watching them we can see what they'd like to mm. do what mm-hmm. they'd like to say uh, they they never say 
than ever. Sometimes afterwards, you'll, you'll get a right, right. response. But um, they were very effective, I think, uh, in conveying um, the, the, their intent. And and again, the the obliviousness of the people that they're that they're confronting uh, is very interesting. Right. So well played both sides. That well written, I think, both sides that way. I think that's probably why I loved so much any of the scenes with the three women together off campus. So in the car on the way home after that first long day, where they mm-hmm. all dealt with something, or it looked like a weekend afternoon when they were cooking and playing cards and drinking together. You really got to hear what they had to say. And there was just this sense of, you know, letting your hair down, taking your shoes off, truly being yourself, which is something that I, you know, I, we could probably all relate to in some way. Um, I certainly can. I certainly pick my moments to be how much, how much of an activist am I going to be in this meeting or how much am I going to point out? (laughs) But also uh, just in terms of, of the rest of the movie, uh, also a great device to be able to, uh, to to get that look into what they reinforce what they have been thinking, what they've been doing, and how they how they are able to cope, um, and and how they go to one another. There were a lot of a lot of character explanation, a lot of uh, plot explanation, explanation, um, intent explanation that went on in those mm-hmm. every time that they were together and played off one another. Right. So I loved them in their element in their casual time they're not then i loved that non-nasa stuff i didn't care about the romance b plot i'm sorry and and i think it was well acted you know what i mean like i think Uh i have no Uh it's nothing against either of the players i just at that point was you know like you say the people picking their moments i'm waiting for taraji to tell off Jim Parsons, you know what I mean? Like I, I kept being like, but no, I want to know what's going on. And, you know, we have sort of a montage of their various progress. I want to know, I want Mary to get into that class and be an engineer. I want, um, I want the IB, you know, Dorothy to get the IBM computer moving. And so I just driving off into the country and all that. I just, it just didn't, I didn't need it. <laughs> what? Well, um, but no, I mean, I, I, there was nothing at all wrong with the, a point of view like that. I, I thought it maybe was a, a matter of a little pacing. They, uh, otherwise, it's all pretty much, uh, well, John Glenn, uh, it was a time to blast <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you, you, because they began to get into, uh, as I assume we'll get into later, but the, as the astronauts arrive, why it becomes more and more an astronaut movie, and and uh, or, or a more technically um, centered movie, and and so uh, I, yeah, a little little human touch is fine. Didn't you love the the proposal scene though? Um, at dinner at. Uh, I did love that it involved the the family. Yeah. I think because that's always a tricky, you know, situation. And so I, it it felt to me, you know, um, respectful and inclusive of, of what they already had going on. So, yes, yeah. of all the proposal scenes that I've seen, there is my other <laughs> podcast, <laughs> Terrible Proposals. Oh, yes. The other thing that, that, that it does is – I think there's a maybe it's a time before this movie, like a, an era before this, or maybe uh, one of the things I appreciate about that is that she gets married and then doesn't quit. 
Mm. It doesn't stop the job. And I think that, and he, there's no, there's no, at least in this movie's telling of the events, there's no expectation that she's going to uh, from him. And I think that that's, you know, I think that's great. Like he comes to that. So he's an addition, right? He's like right. an addition to what's going on. The he's not, he's not a he's replacement. He's not a replacement for anything. Yeah, he's complimentary, if not, if, if, if at best, right? Yes. And and no explanation of of what he's doing either for with his time. But that <laughs> that that really probably would have grabbed the movie. Too I, much I think better. there's a there's one when he's very first introduced in the church. They mention before we know what how what his relationship is going to be with her. They mention he's a national guardsman and he's he there to do something. Thing. But you're right. We never go to work with him, right? We never see yeah. we yeah. see him in uniform once in a well, while. That's but that's it. That's true. We never yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you're right. They did mention he he was in town to establish a new guardian. Oh, right, 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 that's, right. That's, yes, yes, but it's and it's, what's interesting too, Dad. You put your finger on it. I think in terms of the pacing of the movie, because the first act of this movie, the first 25 minutes, is everything from sort of childhood stuff all the way to their drive home on the first day. So the first day of these assignments yes. for them is the entire first third of this movie, and. And the last third of this movie is the final launch and flight is the John Glenn actual yes. flight. So that's so that you have everything else that happens in this movie has to happen in the hour in between those those two things, yeah. which is an yeah. amazing. So there's a lot of like give and take of how much time we're spending with each character on each on each sort of thing. You know, there are places, I think, where the movie maybe you, we linger a little too long in one place or another where it feels like we're, we're not quite losing the thread, but we're maybe looking at things that aren't as important. Which may be part of what you were what you were feeling, but I do love the fact that it's we are seeing a little, a little bit broader look into their lives without that sort of taking over the movie. I appreciate you pointing out the no expectation of her quitting, which would have been at least a scene in another movie, or would have been how how the movie, you know, how the story progressed. Um, so I hadn't thought through that. So I that okay, I'll give you that. I also want to then point out that. The same is true with the Jackson family that mm-hmm. her pursuit um, and his reluctance did not break up their union either, that they mm-hmm. were not on the same page, but they found their way to the same page. And the way that the actor described it, because he had been visited the family um, for research, mm. was that this um, Mr. Jackson, I forget his first name, the the husband realized he he needed to, you know, come around mm-hmm. <laughs> to what was going to happen. <laughs> like that's, that's so that's another example that in that time, not all the stories would end that way. Um, right, right. And so I don't know if that has to do with you know the, these women and their very um, extreme is not the word I want. Their uh, profound gifts. Mm-hmm. You know, academically mm-hmm. is that you know they they're brilliant women and and they're so that their partners and families sort of had to support them in that way is it something that being in, in a marginalized community that there was more support not regardless of gender but but you know what i'm trying to say yeah mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah so is this indicative of a of a pattern or are these just uh, a couple of exceptional so stories of exceptional women right. yeah right so that would be right. The sociologist in me wants to go see who yes, is well, to do the research. I, I, I think part of it is the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, is the historic time. Um, more and more two-income families, mm-hmm. uh, more more people uh, required to, to work uh, that both 
both spouses would work. And so some more acceptance of it. Uh, But then the overlay of, well, what are you going to be an engineer? They won't let you be an engineer. Just be happy that, you know, you have a job where where you are now in the same way Kristen Dunn tells him. Anyway, I, I think there, that was also true to the economics of the time. Mm-hmm. I think and the and the cultural change at that point, uh, where where uh, most uh, by the I think by the end of the sixties, and I may be wrong, as and your, your research will tell mm-hmm. me. But by the by the end of the sixties, I think that the majority of households in the country were, were two income households. Mm-hmm. Right. I have another thing about the time period. And then we'll move on because I know I keep talking about the bathroom. <laughs> but can we talk about when the bathroom stuff comes to a head? Yeah. No pun intended. Indeed. You know, I've never called him that. <laughs> There's a good one so, there. There are a couple of different scenes with the great Pharrell music when she's running across campus to use the bathroom and continues to do work in the bathroom. Yeah. Which yeah. Um, I appreciate, like, was gross and I appreciate it at the same time because... I've done. I've done that. <laughs> so I, 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 oh, I get that. Oh, Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I hear that um, with my homework. Um, but so <laughs> that all, and then she's late. Where is she? And it leads to this um, her impassioned speech about not only the bathroom but the coffee pot because after she arrived, someone put up a, a, a tiny little coffee pot, you know, just for her, so that mm-hmm. she didn't use the white men's coffee, and it's a whole. She goes through many a grievance, which then leads our good friend Kevin Costner to take a crowbar, go across campus himself, and take down the sign that indicates that it is um, a bathroom for, for women of color. And, and right before that, we just have to mention the precipitating event to that is he calls her out on where she's been. Right. And she has like one of the glorious tell offs of this movie. Not tell off is not the correct word, but she uncorks that moment right. and lets loose with all the things that, that she's been withholding. A monologue that surely has made it into you know, high school sure. uh, monologue shows at this point. And that our, our audience will have listened to right now. Oh, great. We're T minus zero here. I put a lot of faith in you. There's no bathroom for me here. What do you mean there's no bathroom for you here? There is no bathroom. There are no colored bathrooms in this building or any building outside the West Campus, which is half a mile away. Did you know that? I have to walk to Timbuktu just to relieve myself. And I can't use one of the handy bikes. Picture that, Mr. Harrison. My uniform, skirt below my knees, my heels, and a simple string of pearls. Well, I don't own pearls. Lord knows you don't pay colors enough to afford pearls. And I work like a dog, day and night, living off a coffee from a pot none of you want to touch. Excuse me if I have to go to the restroom a few times a day. But of course, I, I mean, what I wrote yeah. down. Thank you, Kevin, for the gesture. <laughs> but did that have consequences for anyone in real life? Like, right, there were consequences for using the wrong bathroom. Just because Kevin Costner ripped down a sign, did that change it? So my question is, did he then go through, like, you know, lodge a formal complaint and go through the system to get 
the bathrooms. Right. Did he did did he single handedly integrate integrated. the bathrooms of NASA? Is what the what the scene suggests? That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like I yeah. just. <laughs> I that's what I don't want to give him credit for it if all he did was vandalize property. <laughs> I think that's probably all, almost all he did. He, uh, I mean, that's uh, you're right. I don't. I think he was the system. Uh, his character was. Mm-hmm. Um, they keep pointing out several times. They point mm-hmm. out she did several times to him. Right. Yes. You're the boss. You that decide. was one of my favorites. Why is it she can't attend? Because she doesn't have clearance, Al. I cannot do my work effectively if I do not have all of the data and all of the information as soon as it's available. I need to be in that room hearing what you hear. Pentagon briefings are not for civilians. It requires the highest clearance. I feel like I'm the best person to present my calculations. You're not let this go, are you? No, I am not. And, and she is a woman. There is no protocol for a woman okay, attending these meetings. Okay, I get that part, Paul. But within these walls, who uh, makes the rules? You, sir. You are the boss. You just have to act like one, sir. His character didn't have to ask anybody; just just tear it down. But when he had, had told them about the, the when the when the IBM machine arrived, uh, the first pieces of it, and it was stacked up on pallets mm-hmm. in the hallway, and and, and the, he's speaking to the, the building maintenance guy or the engineer in charge, whatever, and said, Did, "Didn't imagine this before <laughs> yeah. they, they built built the building." And that that speaks that's that rings true, I think, with all probably uh, with their consultants from the NASA days, because uh, you know the, the huge amount of money was poured into things, and and if you didn't know uh, what, what the answer was, you went ahead and took your best guess and built it anyway. <laughs> well, they guessed wrong about that one, and he. And he does his character is you look up use the bigger hammer. Well, the, the same thing applies, I think, a little bit to his, uh, his 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 bathroom change, and it's it's a little bit uh, in his own self interest. Right, uh, right. He says it as well. He said, "No, it's right. back to work." Right. right. <laughs> so uh, while I appreciate the gesture, I just then had questions of: Did that change the lives of these women who worked there? That's all. Yeah. Well, and I would I would say that this is one of the moments in the movie that I think at in the moment it kind of feels emotionally satisfying, but it also feels a little bit like this is our kind of white savior moment in this yes. movie. Yeah. And you know, yes. probably the reason. I mean, I don't want to put words in or you know like assign motive to Kevin Costner, but the reason <laughs> that that maybe someone takes this role, I don't know. I, I feel like you know that the. the uh, I don't want to dog the movie too much over it. I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to ding the movie too much over, it, but it does feel like I felt a little, I was, I was cringe a little bit in that scene, even as I am sort of glad it's happening, if that makes sense. Right. No, I agree. And I think the role wise, it was a very Kevin Costnery role. Um, and I, you know, his motivation through the whole thing was the work. Right. So, and I don't and I'm not saying that, you know, good or bad, but I think he he Kevin Costner played that well. Well, like you said, dad, he wanted to do it so that they could get back to work. He instructed, you know, Jim Parsons to pocket his ego about having his work checked his math <laughs> checked, because this is for the work. This is as I think he feels as a boss of some kind responsibility for sending humans into space and back um, and was highly politicized at the time. Right. It was mm-hmm. a, a space race, so I've heard. Yes, very, very much, and, and, and they brought uh, that up in the movie also. That um, the the uh, one of the other aspects is that he's an engineer and and and, um, and, and patterned after uh, a fellow whose name I thought I would never forget, but who who did the who was the control room director 
during mm-hmm. most of those flights, and uh, after whom his haircut is uh, is patterned um, is a. a, a well, of course, our local senator here uh, has a, a flat top, brush up flat top haircut, and that's uh, that was very common then. And there was a, a great example of it in in the fellow that did the uh, did, did the command centers, and I think that's the, the the Costner character too. So from from an engineering standpoint, he he looks and sees that their numbers are they don't match the the jobs don't match nothing is working. Let's let's work the problem people and and if, if you're <laughs> coming up with the wrong numbers i need somebody to check them and i he is pretty one-dimensional that way and i think that's mm-hmm. the way he played it <laughs> another thing i like about this movie is that one of the things that seems to prize are characters who are really good at their job uh whatever that job sort of is and you know i i, I really wish that the world was a meritocracy and i mean that that really <laughs> that's a fiction i realize that that appeals but the movie does seem to celebrate that the sort of ingenuity, teamwork, uh, and and these are often the things that sort of get people out of jams. That and patriotism, which I think the, the, the characters at times lean into as way, you know, even back to the opening scene or the second scene with the uh, cop on the highway where they, it's talking about getting our boys into space and, right. you know, it's, it's, and beating the Russians and, you know, the, they, they're using patriotism as a way of overcoming racism, uh, racial prejudice at least as, as well, which I think is kind of canny for the movie and uh, for probably smart politics at the time in some ways. Anyway, it feels, it feels, it is always neat to see people who are good at their jobs in, in movies and, and to see them sort of succeed for that uh, on top of everything else is I think a sort of an, an added bonus. I agree. So, and I, I always um, love seeing people who are, are, are good at what they do and people who are then are, are valued or become valued for what they do. And, and you mm-hmm. can see that with each of the three of the women that we follow. The other part that I feel like is maybe a, maybe more is subtle or maybe is not, you know, it's a story about progress for the space program, mm-hmm. right? Getting humans up and back and all that. So there's that, but then also um, progress for women in STEM progress for women of color, mm-hmm. progress for people of color. You know, there's all these layers of it. And so early on in that for in the first car ride home scene, you have Octavia Spencer's character saying, you know, any upward movement is movement for us all. You know, mm-hmm, when, mm-hmm. when Mary got the fancy job and she not that she didn't, but she didn't. And so and then much, much later, um, I think it's Kevin Costner that says we all get to the peak together or we don't get there at all. Mm-hmm. And yes, and yeah. so I, I liked that mirrored they weren't talking about the same community they weren't talking about the same team necessarily but that people coming around to that attitude is what is going to get the job done in this case people in space um Mm -hmm. you know we we talked briefly or just mentioned that outside the pentagon briefing and i just love the line um jim parsons there's no protocol for women attending which I get makes sense, right? <laughs> Militarily, like there's you know, protocol does mean something, but that just cracks me up. Like, there's no protocol for that, so so you're not going to do it, like. <laughs> Which is crazy, given the th- what they're trying to do, as as she says later in the movie. Like, there's no protocol for maybe she even says it there. No protocol for getting into space, yeah. right? like or getting a man to the moon or whatever it is. Like, or this is all about it. no protocol. Yeah, yeah. And then she finally does get into the room. And that's, I think I first mentioned when we did contenders uh, for the contenders pod that, a, you know, a woman in a room full of men 
that we saw also mm-hmm. in Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. that we saw mm-hmm. also in Zero Dark Thirty. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I was thinking about this example each of those times. So I'm glad we get to it. And now I look forward <laughs> to our future episodes to see how often this comes back. We have had, you know, uh, uh, governmental examples a lot, it seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see if that, if that <laughs> continues. But, um, but then, so there's no protocol for women in this meeting. And then she can come in as long as she's quiet. Which, you know, I'm going to bristle at that as well. Like, don't tell me what to do. Um, But then they need her to speak and they need her to explain it. They still call her the girl. But, you know, she's got the math. So, I don't know. She she performs very well. There there were other examples, Aislinn, of of that. uh, Well, as as Costner comes back and said, be quiet in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or whatever he says by way of come, but but mm-hmm. be quiet. Um, the, the the Mary and the judge. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Only the night classes. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So right, right. So there are, there are little echoes of of that uh, uh, here and there spread through the, play, the, uh, the the script as well. Your Honor, you of all people should understand the importance of being first. How's that, Mrs. Jackson? Well, you were the first in your family to serve in the armed forces, U.S. Navy, the first to attend university. What's the point? I plan on being an engineer at NASA, but I can't do that without taking them classes at that all-white high school. And I can't change the color of my skin. So I have no choice but to be the first, which I can't do without you, sir. Your Honor, out of all the cases you're going to hear today, which one is going to matter 100 years from now? Which one is going to make you the first? Or absolutely. And then and then to just bring it to Dorothy, then she doesn't speak, really. She just walks in and starts the machine. <laughs> does. They couldn't get the machine to work or didn't yes. know. I mean, it, what right. it felt to me. And again, it's it's probably an overly simplified example was like they could turn it on and off, but they couldn't get it. To, to compete. Right. They couldn't, yeah. they couldn't make oh, exactly. it yeah. work. Precisely. And then she was able to, you know, walks in then, oh, you know, sorry, I just worked down the hall or whatever she says. And they realize she's, she's made it happen. <laughs> we have no cards. We don't know. We don't have a programmer. We have no cards with this one. And then they had it hooked up incorrectly too. That's, oh, right. Um, and she, oh, she right. walks over she to it and says, this doesn't belong there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty yeah. amazing. But anyway. Um, as we get closer <laughs> to the to the end, Paul, I have another historical question. Surely. So, and this is something that, like the blue car, that I see in period films a lot is people um, either gathering around a storefront to watch a television, or stopping yes. <laughs> in the middle of the street to look at something off in the sky. Were these occurrences that truly happened? Yes. <laughs> Uh, particularly appliance stores, um, they they were fond uh, of putting in the picture window whatever the latest and greatest TV was, and there was a um, as much development in it now. The velocity of change, <laughs> if if you want to be the engineer uh, in in uh, uh, television, 
at that point was very high. So new models uh, came out, color was coming up, uh, larger, um, different cases, uh, uh, cabinets. And so they would often be displayed in, in, the, in the front windows of, of uh, downtown America in those days. You know, that, that all did exist about that time. The, is the gathering in the middle of the street? No, not so much. <laughs> Maybe up and down the sidewalk. But I don't recall people gathering in the street. But I, I do recall the feeling of, of watching uh, at, the, at that point. I mean, the the um, the mood that they set for for the watching of the the, the, the capsule, uh, both the launch and and the return was um, very much true a lot of uh, it was on everyone's mind <laughs> and if you were anywhere near where you could thought you could see you would be looking up excellent thank you i have wondered that a couple of times so i'm glad i got to ask and i find that whole ending this whole ending of the movie very tense <laughs> i mean very I, I i think they they cut from the um the archival footage to their CGI stuff of the rocket to the actors sort of reinterpreting some of the things uh, that that happened. I mean, I think they they integrate all that stuff pretty well. And that again, this is another thing is kind of cheesy. Like, you know, it just it it or it is I should say it is cheesy, but that that's not a, I don't say that as a pejorative thing. Like it's it's not sort of being subtle, and I don't think it should be. There's a great moment there. Sort of the climax of the movie ends up being um, uh, Catherine having to do some calculations like it's, it's crazy that this movie right. ends up sort of hinging on her and a pencil and one of the one of the you know math machines that that dad was talking about earlier that she's got there and there's this great bit where the guy costner sends this guy running over to her to wherever she is to her building to get her and the music from her so previous in the movie as we've talked about three or four times we see her running to the back and yeah. forth to the bathroom and and it's this very it's this kind of tense moment because you're like don't get fired for this but then also the music is as you've mentioned is very upbeat so it feels kind of both funny and tense mm -hmm. in this in sort of equal measure and this also feels funny and tense although tense in a different way right this is like is she are they, they going to get to her in time is she going to get the the numbers right all this kind of stuff but but so the the moment is sort of refracted again and it's it's a different kind of tension and then what i love is that as she races back to the main building with the guy she takes a turn like they're both running the same way and then she takes she's in these high heels and she takes a turn and then heads another direction and he sort of takes three steps and stops and runs after her because of course she knows this route she's done this yes. before she knows the route yes yes she dodged <laughs> between two cars and headed out into the, the middle yeah of she crossed the parking lot and he was going to take the sidewalk all the way down it was yes. his turn to run <laughs> It's a great visual right. metaphor for the entire movie. The the these guys are all trying to catch up with her and what she's able to do. Right? She's they talk about her sort of inventing math. Right? We have, we we have to use math we haven't invented yet in order to get the things done that we need to do. And that she is <laughs> eventually by the end of the movie, it, it's no longer her sort of surreptitiously running around. It's her like changing the way that the people who otherwise would have been in charge and power in whatever that they now have to sort of follow her. And I think that sort of plays a multiple ways in that. Scene. Yeah, it, it, it does, and and it, it continues. You talk about it being a metaphor for the movie uh, as they get down the hallway and mm -hmm. to the doors to, to the command room, and she passes her her book in, and, <laughs> and the fellow who had been running with her helter skelter, uh, not knowing quite what he was doing. Uh, steps into the room and they close the door in her face. Mm -hmm. Right, 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 and then open it again. Right. 
Costner does. Yeah, yeah. only only because of Costner. Yeah, well, again, um, yeah, yes. So so um, yeah, it's, the door is closed, and and she turns around and, and composes herself again, as she has so many times. I thought that she should have reached up and touched her glasses again at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. she has a new problem to work. You know? Right, 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 right. And, but but she didn't, and she just she she gathered herself and a little bit resigned, but but uh, shoulders square and head up, and started to walk down the hall, and the door opened. And so I I thought that was great. I love that um, it closes with uh, you know further credentials and and further the the further story of these three. Um, women who continued to have careers. I love that. The, the, yeah. the credit uh, um, explanations. There. That was wonderful. I'm a, sucker, I'm a sucker for those things. Me too. <laughs> I very much enjoyed that, that additional information and, and the pictures, the archival uh, pictures as well. Just, just great. Well, I'm glad you enjoy additional information because there's additional information coming when we get to the game portion. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, may I just say one more thing about uh, to, to make this much too long <laughs> well, about, about the about the three ladies and their groups. Mm-hmm. So Mary has well the, the, the three the, they were involved with three entirely different groups. So Mary's group, uh, even as as she is uh, sent over to the uh, to the uh, wind tunnel to the capsule. Mm-hmm. Uh, build there and uh, has her shoe caught, etc. And uh, they don't seem to be didn't seem to be, be to be very worried about looking through the glass at her. And as a 150 <laughs> mile hour wind tunnel is about to start, they let her in. But but they all seem to know what she's about and what she's doing. She's mm-hmm. going to be in there. And they, and at one point uh, when she comes back with the news that she that she can get into the class, there's a little there's a little celebration, not much yeah. of one, but a bit of a celebration. And the person that she talks to, her boss, the, the German Jew, as he describes himself, uh, yeah. is very very supportive of her. So that's that's one distinct group. Um, and, and then there <laughs> then there's the Kevin Costner group, and, and that's <laughs> very much more pressure and, and a, with a very tight lid on a lot of tension involved with that that whole group but but again very much different all all men and none of them supportive um and then <laughs> and then i'm sorry what, what's what's her name dorothy dorothy's dorothy's group is is all women and and dorothy is very much the um the mother hen of the group it looks like mm-hmm. uh, she scolds a little um she guides a little um, she goes out of her way. Uh, she's thinking about them as well as herself. Right, right. And she says, "We need. We go. What are we going to do? Well, we are going to, mm-hmm. to learn to do this." Mm-hmm. And so that's another whole group. But I, I didn't. I, I don't know how that integrates with with the rest of the plot and the rest of the movie. But it, it was certainly um, very distinctly done. And they were telling. They get together is is where it came to mind to me, and they share their experiences, and they 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 uh, work, talk, um, interact with and off one another. But then they go back to their own groups, and the groups are so different to me. I I wondered a little bit about that. So anyway, just an observation, and way too long a one. Sorry, you can. No, it's great. I I think it's a a good point of their um, their individual experiences as unique. Yes. While, but parallel. Right, right. right. That's, that's, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> or 
pretty good guess to write about this. Yeah. <laughs> the apple doesn't fire, fall very far from the tree. Oh, no. I mean, when, when, if, if, it's, if it's the doctor, why, that, that's Exactly. Hey, do you all want to play a game? Yes. Well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> So today, if Tobin leaves them both in, I have two gamelets. Ooh. Um, the first one is really just to probably point out um, how knowledgeable um, our dad Jeff is. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, jeez. Put a guy on the spot here. <laughs> but no Tobin, feel no free. Pressure. You could you could come up from behind and, and win it all. So okay. I have in front of me the name of the names of a number of important women in STEM through history. Oh, boy. Oh and I've picked out a couple that I find that I just, I want to name and I want to um, tell you about. Okay. I want to um, Iceland explain them to you. Yes. But I will give you the opportunity um, to tell me what they did. Wow. What okay. they're known for. All right. All right. Now, so just to, to talk a little science uh, bef uh, before we start this, as mm -hmm. as you've explained to your, to your <laughs> listeners, uh, I am your father. Yeah. Uh, and that that puts me at and, and I had you very late in life. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm very old, and and there's a term called aphasia. It has many shades of <laughs> many types of aphasia. So. Um, we may have to edit a great deal of this out, but go ahead. Okay. I think we'll start with one. I, I think you will know. Now, um, you know, either of you may speak up okay. and I will award points. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the person and you tell me what they're known for, what they did. Can you tell us? Well, we, we may need an era or a year or something. Do you have that information at hand? I do. Okay, I, have, okay, I okay. absolutely have that all right, information. All right. All right. So this would be in terms of work. This is early 20th century. Okay. If I said Lisa Meitner. No clue. No, I haven't either. Meitner? Sorry, yeah. no. M-E-I. No. Nope. Tell us, who was this person? She. It, I'll give you another clue. Okay. Um, she teamed up with a man named Otto Hahn. Nope. Oh. <laughs> um, Duo's most uh, notable discovery includes nuclear fission. Oh. Otto Hahn won the Nobel Prize in 1944, and Lisa was not recognized, mm. um, leading many to cite that year's prestigious honor as the Nobel mistake. Oh, wow. Repeated many times. Exactly. I was going to say, which is the name of my new band. <laughs> Okay, let's try again. Okay. Um, also, early 20th century, Florence Siebert. No I, no. no, I don't know. You have both taken the test she developed. Oh. Oh. I love tests, so I take a lot of tests, so uh, that doesn't help me. Um, at, at University of Pennsylvania, Siebert um, began her most important work in tuberculosis research. TB tine test? Mm -hmm. She, um, oh. it's the she international standard for TB testing still used today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, we got two more and then we'll play the other game. <laughs> Who is Antonia Novella? 
She wrote, she wrote a small book, not a big book, not a novel. <laughs> well, it was Italian, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're the worst. She uh, was appointed Surgeon General of the United States in 1990, was the first woman and the first person of Hispanic heritage to hold that office. Oh. Very finely. How about Mae Jemison? Nope. In 1992, became the first African-American woman to travel in space. Wow. Well, we, failed, we yeah, failed that I'm, game. You failed that. But, yeah. okay, so yeah. this one I, is going to be easier. Okay. All right, folks, I have a number of um, accomplishments, a number of firsts for women, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to fill in the timeline. Oh, dear. Oh, so here we go. It's going to be fun. It's going to be this or that. So all right, all right, all right. Uh, here is our point of origin. Here is our, our pin drop. Okay. In 2009, women scored big with Nobel Prizes. Four women took home prizes in sciences that year, including Dr. Eleanor Ostrom, or Ostrom, I'm not sure, became the first woman to win Nobel Prize in economics. So... 2009 was the first time wow. a woman was awarded the Nobel Prize in economics. I'm going to tell you about a couple other accomplishments. And you tell me, did they happen before 2009 Oh, or after 2009? Oh, okay. All right. Right? So 2009 is our threshold year. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So if, if I asked you what year the first Chinese woman in space occurred, her name was Liu Yang. Pilot and astronaut became the first Chinese woman in space before 2009 or after? After. I'm going to defer to my father and say after. Correct. 2012. <gasps> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. While we're talking about um, women in space, men in space, women in space, Samantha Cristoforetti became the first Italian woman in space before 2009, after 2009. After. I'm going to say before. Pa is correct again. It was 2014. Yeah. Space, Whoa. Space Whoa. Okay. Here's uh, the last two are, are also award questions. Dr. Frances Allen, an American computer scientist, became the first woman to win the AM Turing Award, often referred to as the Nobel Prize of Computing. Nobel Prize of Computing. Was that before 2009 or after? Oh, I'm going to say before. I think I'm. I think so. I think before. You're both correct. Before, but only just 2006. Yeah. And mm, finally, mm. the one that is my favorite, only because it references another movie I like. So, <laughs> Iranian mathematician Maryam Mirzakhani. Mm -hmm. became the first woman to win the Fields Medal, often referred to as the Nobel Prize of Math. Fields Medal, before 2009, after 2009? After. Uh, okay, I'll say before, just to try and uh, it tie it up after. here. after, is 2014. Oh! So, Paul, you really have your women in STEM timeline of recent history. But all the, I mean, all these achievements, which are mighty, and there are more on my list here, um, are all within the last 12 years. Ha huh, ha. Huh. Yes. A lot of, I think a lot of that has to do with the way history has been written for the last hundred years. Mm -hmm. 
I, I think I think you would find many more examples if if you know, history had been written with. There were many more examples of of women whose work was ignored and then and then co opted as it was in in our movie right. with uh, you know a report by uh, Dr. Stafford and. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about it before. Tobin and I have a, a, bit, yes. a bit before. Uh, I know where you're going. Are you going to DNA? Yeah. 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 yeah the, the Watson and Crick, the Nobel Prize for for identifying DNA as the genetic material based on an electro crystallograph. And that graphing was all done by a woman whose work these guys actually stole. Right. <laughs> And and, re- and released a week later, uh, she was ready to publish it, or just about. But they uh, they jumped the gun anyway. Uh, a lot of examples uh, through, through the years. Yeah, her name was Rosalind Franklin, and I'm uh, dying to make a movie about her. And so far, no takers. So if anybody <laughs> out there uh, wants to make a, is she? It's not a very happy story. That's part of the problem. There's there's not not overcoming, uh, based on sort of what happened in the rest of her life. But it is a fascinating yeah. a fascinating yeah. story. Yeah. Well, speaking of triumph and tragedy, now is the part of the podcast uh, where we give uh, sort of our, our closing thoughts and our final judgment, if you will. Is this movie a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Pa, do you think this is a step forward or a step back? Progressive or regressive? I think progressive for my uh, in my judgment, it certainly is. If you, I hadn't realized uh, that uh, th- that the production, um, the direction, photography uh, were were so uh, have women heavily involved in, in, in making the movie and getting it made and making mm-hmm. it. Uh, I guess maybe regressive and to the point where they only had twenty three. Did you say or twenty five yeah. million dollars? Right, right, to make right. It. So that, that there's kudos to them uh, for making it for that, but maybe that was regressive in that they couldn't raise any more money than that, <laughs> you know, two three years ago. Um, and as, as far as the as far as the film went, I I, I think its portrayal is uh, is is triumphant in a lot of ways. Awesome. Hey, Tobe, how, what do you think? Yeah, for sure. This is definitely, definitely progressive. And I think Tramp is a great word, Dad. I think that this, you know, this is a crowd pleaser. This is a movie designed to, yes. to, uh, if nothing else, activate our emotions. Uh, and oh, and sure. in the, in the, in a way that, uh, as I said at the beginning is, you know, that film can do in ways that a lot of other media can't. The immediacy of it, uh, the the, um, the com- combination of you know audio and visual, and you know, the the as we've talked about the the soundtrack that Eisen listened to, you know, like it's a it's a sort of a it's sort of a rousing film, and I think that it's. Um, for me, this is the, a, a great way to tell this story. So I think ultimately, this is a movie that makes me feel really good, and it's tackling issues that that don't make me feel good. But the the it's sort of I'm I'm along for the ride in this movie, and I think that it's it's smartly made that way. And this last thing to say is this is a fantastic cast. The the a lot of what works in this yes. movie are the performances. These three women in the main mm-hmm. roles in particular, but also a lot of the supporting roles. And I think that that I think that for all of these reasons. And as dad said, all these other sort of all the women behind the scenes making this movie, for sure, this is definitely progressive. Aizen, how about you? Absolutely progressive. I think this is a a story about exceptional 
women of color portrayed by exceptional women of color. And I, I love that. I love that the poster is our three heroines right up front. Um, it's about them. We follow them and we root for them. Just looking at the words progressive and regressive and, and thinking about all the things that um, made me nervous or uncomfortable as, as Tobin said, the things that made him not feel good. The movie, I think, absolutely progressive, but it, to me, it held up a mirror um, regarding the things that we're not, we haven't let go of yet. We still have mm-hmm. trouble right. with bathrooms yeah. and who can use what bathroom. We're still dealing with racial bias when it comes to authority. And gender bias when it comes to public employment. And gender bias yeah. and all those things. So so this this holds a mirror up to those um, things that we could do better. I think that's brave, if not progressive, to, to point out like we're, we still we still got things to work on. So that is my attitude as I move forward. We still have things to work on. But I love the outfits. <laughs> What's coming up next on The Contenders, Tobin? Well, next we're going to be talking about sparkly vampires as we discuss the first movie in the Twilight franchise, Twilight. So that's something to look forward to. We'll be doing that one in two weeks. That'll be May 15th. So uh, take a look at – so all you Twilight fans, get ready because we're coming for you. Take a look at uh, the first (laughs) Twilight movie and uh, come back and check us out on the 15th. Hey, Dad. Hey, Pa. Yes. Yes. Jeff Addington, thank you so much <laughs> for coming and chatting with us today. I've enjoyed it. Uh, it uh, It is a challenge uh, to try to keep up with uh, with minds that, uh, that that look into these things the way that yours do. But a very, very enjoyable chat. I've enjoyed it. I'm so glad. Now, this is the time that <laughs> where, where we ask our guests if they would like to unplug any of their projects or let people know where to find them on social media. Is that something you're interested in doing or are you like me reluctant to have anyone talk to you? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm reluctant in that I'm not present on, on uh, most social media and thinking about uh, leaving Facebook after the last two weeks. So <laughs> no, I thank you. If you ever get to Bonner, Montana, stop it. <laughs> 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 if, if any of our if any of our fans want to reach out and let dad know how well he did you can write to us on social media and we'll pass along the message absolutely so if you i mean that is the, the one time that i'll say sure hit me up on social media <laughs> me tell me how great my dad you can find me reluctantly on twitter at sassy nerd mt and you can find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington, and you can find us at Facebook.com slash The Contenders Pod or on Twitter at Contenders underscore pod. Tell us what movies you'd like to see. Tell us what you want to hear us talk about in the future and tell us that you love our dad. We here at The Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all those great shows, go to cageclub.me or Facebook.com slash Cage Club, and you can find them at Cage Club Pod on Twitter. You can find all the Cage Club Network shows on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hearing from listeners really helps us spread the word and and lets us know what you like and, and what you like even more. If you leave us a comment, we might even read it on an upcoming show, as I have twice recently. I don't have one today. Well, so people need to write to us. So we have something to to share. Write to us so I can share more things. Even if it's not about me, I'll still read it. 
Although I'll be more likely to read it if it's about me. <laughs> because I'm Isla Addington. And I'm Jeff Addington. And I'm Tobin Addington. And we'll see you next time on The Contenders. Yay! And we're out. Oh, she's a lot older than you. Thank you. We can leave that yeah. part in. She's almost she's almost a year older than you are. Okay. So backtracking to what we will put in the podcast. Kristen <laughs> yes. and I are similar ages. I want to hear my own voice. <laughs> you have to just trust us that you sound... I love my own voice. <laughs> we were just talking about that. Although I'm not going to say anything through all this. And, and so that brings us to the next piece, the next out, outtake. Again, remind me again why I agreed to do this. Because <laughs> you're going to have so much fun. Oh, I'll bet I, I'll bet I will.